Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet. Looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm here with Chad Parsons. We got Katie Flower as the co-host, as the feature informational informant here. We got free agency, and I wrote this down. Katie Flower featured uh, months ago. I was like, no guest, no anything. We got just Chad and Katie uh, talking about all the hot stove where we've got a bunch of moves, but we've still got some notable names out there in NFL free agency. So we're going to talk all about the changing landscape of player value and NFL team situations. What I always caution people is we're in an environment where things are changing, but things are not done changing. It's really May when things settle and, and we still may have, especially with uh, veteran running backs still out there. We had it last year a little bit floating out there that are going to change over the course of the summer or maybe even hang out there longer like we saw with Devonta uh, Freeman uh, last year, for example. So uh, uh is the parent uh, website here for the podcast. You get over 250 premium shows, uh, things like Interrogation Room, War Room. We're actually doing a series, Katie and I, with one of our own drafts that are starting this weekend for the annual uh, player acquisition period. Uh, so we already did the war room. You're going to get to hear the interrogation room. So you get to hear our plan and you get to hear how we executed what we thought was going to happen. And there are always twists and turns and stories along the way as well as some trading. So uh, things like that, player spotlights, we dive into to, uh, profiles of prospects as we're knee deep into pro days, um, as well as feature shows about strategy. And of course, this week, a bunch of pop-up shows regarding NFL free agency. If you want uh, Chad Parsons, you know, doing some solo stuff, uh, but here we're going to mix it up. I'm going to get Katie's feedback on what we have seen. And, and Katie, I wanted to start with just an open-ended something that sticks out to you. Is it a certain position? Is it maybe how contracts are being constructed in relation to the shrinking salary cap, at least for this year. Um, could it be that more players that are on uh, the teams being added to are being affected negatively? What's your overall observation early on with, with many of the bigger names already posting to new, new spots? Okay. So my hot button issue is the AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones re-signed with Green Bay, which is a rarity. But a lot of people, and it, it really ticks me off when I see people on Twitter like, oh, I wish I had so many more A.J. Dillon shares. I'd sell him high right now. This is before they signed Aaron Jones. And I, I was like, okay, so define for me what is sell high? What would you sell A.J. Dillon for now? And I'm asking these people on Twitter that don't even have any A.J. Dillon shares. They just wish they did. I would sell them for the 112 or the 201. Really? Most people who bought A.J. Dillon last year in rookie drafts paid the 201 anywhere from 201 to the 301, depending on their draft and how it felt. 
So you trying to tell me that you're going to sell high on AJ Dillon and you're going to sell him for the 112 in this year's draft. And there's a much bigger lack of running back in this year's draft. You're not going to get a running back at 112 anywhere near the caliber of AJ Dillon. So what are you hoping to get? And that was my next question. So if you're not going to get a running back that's anywhere near the caliber talent of A.J. Dillon, what do you expect to get at 112-201 that you say that you're going to trade for? Well, I think that I could get a Devontae Smith or somebody in that range, Terrace Marshall. Okay, so last year, the A.J. Dillon, the people that bought A.J. Dillon at 201 to 301 in that range had to make the decision between him and T Higgins or him and Justin Jefferson potentially, or him and Chase Claypool. So you're basically saying that you would have bought AJ Dillon in the, in the early second round over those wide receivers. But now this year, those wide receivers you would take a chance on over T Higgins, Chase Claypool, Michael Pittman, and all those other guys. Like it makes absolutely no sense. So you're saying sell high, but that's not high. That's really not. And then the people that because of Twitter are feeling like now that Aaron Jones has re-signed with the Packers and they think, well, now all of a sudden my AJ Dillon shares are crap. You got him in the second round. He's going to take that Jamal Williams role. Jamal Williams vacated 114 attempts and 31 receptions. That's not bad. A.J. Dillon, people say, well, he can't catch. He can. He hasn't been asked to a lot, but he can, and he did in his later years at Boston College. But him and Aaron Jones as a one-two punch as compared to him and Jamal Williams, I think A.J. Dillon will get more bang for the buck. As much as I love Jamal Williams, he was more of a kind of a plotter type guy. Um, Grinder is the nice term. And then if Aaron Jones is injured, then you've got an RB1. I'm sorry, what? Grinder is the proper, uh, you know, positive term instead of a plotter. Right. Okay. So, and I love Jamal Williams. He's an awesome guy. But I think that A.J. Dillon's talent is much higher than Jamal Williams. And I think that if Aaron Jones is injured, A.J. Dillon has shown he can carry the load. And you're going to have some RB1 weeks when Aaron Jones is injured. You're going to have a decent fantasy player. So to get a decent fantasy player with talent in round two, you're not losing. You didn't, quote unquote, sell high, but I didn't. The best offer I got on A.J. Dillon was a 111 in one of my leagues. And I bought him for the 202. So 111 to me, that's in this year's draft, is about the same caliber of wide receiver I would have got last year. So I don't get it. I Help me understand this, Chad. Like, why do people think A.J. Dillon is such a time bomb? Because, um, and, and Jordan and I were actually talking about this. I, I can't remember if it was on a show or off, just off air, but that I think one of the true uh, untapped or mispriced assets 
in dynasty or in fantasy football are backup running backs and not just backup running backs or viewed as backup running backs, but the one B's the, uh, but also it's the guys that aren't fragile. Like there's a, there's going to be a number, you know, maybe five to 10 backups around the NFL that are fragile profiles. Like we may not know until the starter goes out, we may not have uh, a sense that they truly are going to be the unquestioned running back one fill in. But the guys that are Latavius Murray, AJ Dillon, Kareem Hunt, Tony Pollard, guys like this, Alexander Madison, I call them tier one guys, you know, when I'm doing my, my running back in, uh, injury away index. And those are the guys that you can plug in. And fantasy wise, they might be right there with the guy they're replacing because they might have a different skill set, right? Tony Pollard may catch a few more passes or something than Ezekiel Elliott. Or same thing with Kareem Hunt, which actually might make them a lot more you know, replaceable for the starter that's out. They might just produce in a different way. But when you have a locked-in guy that's a good enough talent, a high enough bar, then that becomes super valuable because they for sure are going to be valued less than the starter. Yet... They have the potential going into every August and September. There is the chance that that backup starts all 16 games. There is a chance going in. So just pick one of these guys. If Ezekiel Elliott gets injured in the first game, you got Tony Pollard for a fraction of Ezekiel Elliott's cost. And yet you have the potential to get pretty much the entire year of starts out of the backup that could be, again, 75, 80% plus of what Zeke would do. And you got it for a fraction. A.J. Dillon is that guy. And I would actually say, and we didn't talk about this at all. This is the interesting thing. Katie goes and pretty much, I mean, word for word, you, you, I'm like your pitch man. Like I could have written that script and I could have said, this is mine. And Katie, you know, this is what's been grinding on you. And I totally agree that, I mean, this could be, and I, I kind of liken this, again, different roles, but couldn't he be the Nick Chubb to Aaron Jones's Kareem Hunt and like how they're used where Chubb doesn't get a lot of receiving work, but he gets a whole lot of touchdowns when he they're grinding the, the clock away. Who's grinding it, you know, and Hunt is more of the hurry up guy. He's the guy they're going to use a little more in space or, or in the passing game or in the red zone, for example, to find matchups all over the field. Like, so it might be reversed. You know, this would be like if Kareem Hunt was the 1A and the 1B was Nick Chubb. And, you know, so I, I just think there's enough meat on the bone to say, yes, AJ Dillon could still be a top 30, 35 weekly fantasy guy. He still could be without an injury. And if he gets an injury, exactly. And if he gets an injury, the, I mean, the, the ceiling is through the roof, through the roof. So again, we're talking to an audience that already has a lot of AJ Dillon. So, the action plan, though, I've actually acquired one more share. I actually, he, someone threw him into a deal, basically, in a, in a league that I didn't, you know, I, ju I just didn't have enough picks in that zone, I would guess, you know, thinking back 12 months. But it's a buying opportunity. But again, I, I, I think that the, the macro level view here is that backup running backs, especially the good ones, or the ones that have enough pedigree, like Darrington Evans, for example. Now people don't care about, about Daryl Henderson. You know, guys like that, where they have some pedigree, they have some talent, and maybe they were overvalued at a certain point in time, but now, like Latavius Murray, right? I mean, now they've fallen into their sweet spot of, I can fill in for two weeks, four weeks, six weeks. I'm good. You know, so those types of guys, 
you know, not the Boston Scots, you know, of the world, not guys like that or Rodney Smith, you know, like unknowns. But let's talk about guys that have a profile that says they can handle the rock. And those are the guys that I feel like no one really wants to value them above like a round two uh, acquisition point or rookie valuation. And that's when they become a value. And that's why we say accumulate them when they fall further than that, acquire them in the second round of rookie drafts and just do it over and over again. Because it just takes every week now you're watching with interest of like, there's usually a starter that goes down every week in the NFL and you have more dice throws that it could be the guy that benefits you across your leagues. Lather, rinse, repeat. And it's that simple. It's that simple. You did not lose any value. A lot of people, please, (laughs) listeners, do not discount AJ Dillon now. He's not any... You did not lose value. This is like a 401k where you bought for 20 cents and he's 20 cent value. Well, if anything, he's more. Jamal Williams is gone. Well, okay. But I'm just saying he's not, he is not below the value that you bought him at. Now, those people that went and bought him in the fifth round of a startup. Yeah. You guys were crazy. That was, that was a bit crazy. Well, cause because wide receivers were, are so good in that range. Why are you going running back there? What's that? I said wide receivers and super flex quarterbacks are so good in that range. Why are you drafting running back? Right. But the, but the whole point is like I've said before, if you, if you get them as a rookie organically, then you don't have to worry about the shifts in value because you're still going to be within that range of where you bought him. You're but not going to you sell him until him, possibly he becomes a starter, right? Until he starts producing and you churn it out and now he's helping you win and you're pummeling people, you probably won't want to trade him. Maybe you'll trade him in the offseason after that, but then you have options. Just wait until then. That's what you always do with these guys. Alexander Madison, if you drafted him at 210, why the heck in these two years where you've rolled snake eyes, Dalvin Cook has basically been healthy. The one time Madison would have got the opportunity, he himself was hurt. Like, so you've rolled snake eyes opportunity wise, but there's also James Connors out there where you roll lucky seven. So that's the upside. James Conner won people leagues that year, but Madison, like you really going to trade him for what you paid. It hasn't paid off yet. Hasn't paid off yet. Just wait. There's so many impatient dynasty owners. Don't be one of them. Just don't be one of them. Be patient because AJ Dillon is that time bomb that is ready to explode at any minute. And he's going to be more valuable on your team. You only acquired him with a second round price. So why don't feel bad because Twitter is going crazy right now saying, Oh, well you guys didn't sell him, but it's the guys that bought him in the fifth round or so of startups that itself like you don't want to buy into somebody anticipating they're going to get the starting job when there's the draft and free agency to go. Right. And when there's other assets on the board that I wouldn't even say proven because I hate that word proven assets because you're not guaranteed anything. We'll, we'll say a track record. I like to say my new moniker is track record of production. Okay. So or a productive record- profile. Exactly. So you've got the track record of production for guys. And it's crazy. The guys that are falling in startups right now that 
You don't have to spend up on a speculative guy. You don't have to. And you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. And and again, so I, yeah, I, I mean, you know, the running back roundup and just sort of living in that, who are the number two running backs? Who's the most affordable? Because we get to August and there's always guys on the waiver wire. And then we get to in season and we're always trying to churn. What's the best odds we can get? Because then you got five, six, seven, eight backfields where you got the primary backup. And it's like, so any, any, every two or three week segment, you're likely to get an injury that benefits you, directly benefits you. And that's why my biggest observation or biggest takeaway is Aaron Jones moved up a little bit for me. Why? He gets locked in with the Packers, who he's been a mid running back one for two years. And so he's going to be at least with the team for this next year. We'll see how the guarantees work out. I think it was a four year deal reported, but it was a four year deal, but, but the, the two years, it's two year really mark is probably, much, yeah, which is smart as a 26 year old. That's pretty smart. So, yes. but again, so him locking in with, you know, instead of moving to Miami or one of these other spots where you don't really know how that works out, staying with this current team is a vote of confidence. It does help his ceiling in the short term. But again, I think it's going to move to a little bit more. If anyone out there thinks that he's going to be a 65, 70% snap guy week to week, he hasn't been yet. So why would he start being that way now? So color me skeptical that he's going to be a big riser and that Dylan's going to be this loser. I mean, we saw Dylan had a little cameo there. He was going through COVID as well. Probably took him a while. Like you had mentioned that, Katie, that he was one of the guys. Cam Newton could be the other one that notably, you know, you know, takes him takes a while to recover, you know, that it hit them harder than others. Um, and so so AJ Dylan, full strength, you know, hopefully this year and going into a role where if he can eat up his own role plus Jamal Williams, I think we got something there. So and if he's the primary goal line guy, I mean look out, right? I mean, he could be even in a partial, you know, even in the lesser of a committee at 40% snap share, he could be a 10 plus 12 plus touchdown guy. That is fully within, within capabilities there. Um, right. I agree. So, so what do you think about the what the Patriots have done adding wide receivers and tight ends multiple at each position? What do you kind of see? And then I've got a couple pointed questions here, but what do you see from how their offense is going to look in their amoeba and chameleon ways of this new look post Tom Brady offense. Yeah. So they've got some decent draft picks coming up. And on top of that, they got Cam Newton on a one-year deal, which I think is pretty good because there, I, I don't think that's going to stop them from drafting a rookie quarterback in, in round one. I think they will. And then he'll sit for a year behind Cam Newton. I love that they've got both Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. Not a, uh, not a great, I mean, I didn't think that their tight ends that they drafted last year in round two were all that great to begin with. So it's not, it, this is an indictment on, oh, maybe we screwed up on those picks or we just pressed it or whatever. But I love Hunter Henry. I called that like a year ago. And, and this summer, when Bill Belichick gave him that big hug and they were talking, it's like they were talking a little bit long. Like you look at the people in the bar and who's drinking and who's chit-chatting with who, you can kind of peg who's going to go home with who that night. And we knew that Bill Belichick was going to go home with Hunter Henry. That's just like a no-brainer. And I think that he's going to be the be the bigger 
recipient of the pass catching part of it. Johnny Smith is a good blocker. And I think that he will be very much involved with the offense. They're building around Cam Newton for this one year, but they're also putting in pieces in place defensively and offensively that can help them win this year. And, and they can still get out of the, I mean, none of them, I don't, I don't see any of them being like big, cap stretchers for the future who do you, uh, i i jokingly but half serious put the over under at 0.5 for patriots fantasy starters on their offense so that would be top 12 quarterback and tight end top 24 wide receiver and running back would you take the under or the over <sighs> probably the under I mean, okay. I think there's, it's, it's typical. So, they're going to, they're going to ground and pound. They're going to run, run, run They're They've got two tight end sets and defense. And then their wide receivers. I think they're going to trade Nikhil Harry. That's I think for, for a bag of beans. Happen. What's that for a bag of beans, a conditional sixth or something, something like that. Yeah. I think they're done with him. Okay. And I, I, I think he needs this a is the best of this is the best ball offense, right? I mean, yeah, total it, it best really ball is. because it's I, I got to ask is so you would you would think that Hunter Henry and John New Smith both be in that tight end two sort of range and each having their moments. I think that Hunter Henry will be the better beneficiary of being the tight end one. And that Johnny Smith would would be like picking up scraps. Okay. Um, and then what do you think about the backfield? Damian Harris, you know, critical year three for his value. Um, and the fact that you have Cam Newton still there for at least one more year, likely siphoning away goal line work. And I mean, at least James White's not there. So who, you know, so some receptions could be open more than the minimal amount to to Michelle and Harris previously. Yeah, but they're talking about they're talking to uh, Lombardi Lenny. They're they're talking to other people. I don't know that they will sign somebody, but they probably will. Okay. So it's just going to be a convoluted backfield. I'm not. I'm not like going to put a, a pin on anybody in that backfield right now. Would you be? Um, I'm not going to say frustratingly, but would you be sort of? I'm going to hold Damien Harris, or do you think he is? He has at least enough cachet to be worthwhile to move up in your rookie draft order and using him as a pivot point, or do you say he's a day two guy? He looked pretty good last year. It's more of a talent. Maybe it doesn't come through this year, but I'm just going to hold through and see how this prevails. There are certain guys that are better on your roster than your competitors' roster you're not going to get the value by trading Damian Harris right now. You won't. So I'd rather keep him. I'd rather have him die on my roster, not ever doing anything rather than exploding on somebody else's roster. Okay. And, and that's the thing with the Patriots backfield. That's so frustrating. That's why people avoided Sony Michelle and Damian Harris to begin with. It's only going to get more frustrating. And I'd rather hold them 
for that three-week window where he's the clear starter. I don't know if that's going to be weeks one through four, weeks five through seven. You know, I don't know, but I'm going to hold him. I like his talent. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's shift to some super flex. So, cause we've okay. got some more super flex than start one, but Ryan Fitzpatrick going to Washington. We've got Andy Dalton going to Chicago projected starters, Jameis Winston. Let's, let's put a pin in the saints, right? For one second. So let's talk about Dalton and Fitzpatrick. And there are two examples of guys that can play guys that have proven with a number of starts in the NFL, they can hang and they can get more opportunities. I mean, Fitzpatrick is probably the poster child for that over the past decade. So is, are both of these guys going to be values in Superflex? You're in a draft right now. I don't think it's deep enough to the point of either one yeah. of them close to being off the board, but this is found money, you know, for folks that basically had them and they went through, oh, they're starting a little bit, not starting last year. It was a blend, but they could get most of the season this year with starts out of both of them. And I think it's just, you know, betting on profiles and betting on the certain types of backups that can actually produce to a decent super flex baseline level. Um, this is just another reiteration of that point. Uh, this off season, like Cam Newton, right? You, you leave him by the side of the road and all of a sudden, he's starting for a year or two uh, when when people think he might be done. Andy Dalton, people declared him that way. Ryan Fitzpatrick, they've been writing him off for years. Um, do you have any greater points in terms of the fantasy implications of both of those moves for those teams? There's going to be 32 NFL quarterback starters this year. And those three that just took those starting spots are valuable. And if you had them on your team, like you said, it's found money. And if you don't, I wouldn't necessarily trade for them unless it's a throw in. Those are the kind of guys that you can get for dirt cheap because they're on a one-year deal. And nobody in Superflex will they won't give you the value to trade for them and they're not going to Ask for full price when you trade for them. They're good guys to have, you know, as your depth. I wouldn't want to have them as my only starters, but they will be good depth for sure. Yeah, I think they're the type that have a lot more roster utility than something really liquid and valuable in the trade market. It's almost like you have them and then you almost wait. Like I remember I was in a shallow two quarterback league and I was able to, once Tua started starting last year, that Ryan Fitzpatrick, he hit the waiver wire and I was light at the position. I was like, I picked him up on the chance that, well, what if he gets another opportunity? He ended up getting a start in the fantasy playoffs. But then now, obviously I'm keeping him. Obviously. You know, and, and Andy Dalton is sort of the same way, you know, very beginning of the season, maybe someone gets tired of him in a shallow super flex and, and, and cuts him loose where you really can't roster that many backups. But those are the, the perfect guys at some point along the way to roster on the hopes of future opportunity. Obviously, Dalton got an opportunity extended look last last year. Um, let's go to the Saints. So you've got okay. Jameis Winston. A lot of the talk was he's not going to get let out of the building. You know, Sean Payton's not going to let him go. Well, he, he's he's signing. So he's there to compete, quote unquote. Um, and then Taysom Hill, it's a lot of ghost money, a lot of ghost years, but he's under contract for this year. What is your 
feelings on what maybe the split will be, how will Taysom Hill be used? Would you view Winston as the incumbent, likely week one starter? What's kind of your your tinglys here? Because if it tilts strongly one way or the other, there's some good fantasy value to be had. I think Winston is the starter, period. And then Taysom Hill will be used in the Taysom Hill role. Tight end, running back, wide receiver, a little bit of quarterback here and there. But Jameis Winston, I think they did what they could to hide him. I think they did not play him in the last two or three games and let Taysom Hill go because they wanted, they didn't want him to go in free agency or go for big money. Right. Exactly. So they, they sneaky, they were like, okay, this guy just had LASIK surgery. He had a recorrection on his LASIK from 10 years ago. And he's had the whole off season to work on his mechanics and to get right. They like him. They said they liked him. I have no doubt that he will be the starting quarterback for that team. He's a real quarterback. Taysom Hill is a gimmick. He He's okay here and there. Jameis Winston is is the answer and they know it. And that I believe that's the answer fantasy wise. He was the one one quarterback. I mean, he was the one one in an NFL draft class and they don't just hand those things out. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask, I guess one of my biggest questions would be, does Taysom Hill have a bigger role in this iteration than when Drew Brees was the starter? Does he get a few more snaps? Does that hurt James Winston's numbers because he might not get as many red zone or goal line touchdowns? Like, is that, is that an actual thing that you think we're, we're going to kind of notice by season's end? I think Taysom Hill will always be a thorn in the side of whoever, but I'd rather have Taysom Hill be the thorn in the side of Jameis Winston rather than him be the starting quarterback and the thorn in the side of Alvin Kamara. Okay. Because Alvin Kamara with Taysom Hill is crap. <laughs> he is. He's, he's complete, utter crap. And at least with Jameis Winston, you've got the fully functional offense. Like he's back to normal. I think Michael Thomas is back to normal with Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is a real quarterback. Taysom Hill is not. And yeah, he's going to eat a little bit here and there, but I don't think, I mean, with Jameis Winston, he's a gunslinger. He, he, I, I, this might garner an AJ Dillon type response, but what do you think about the folks? I've seen this many times that say Alvin Kamara is an overt sell because he's not going to be the same without Drew Brees. If it's Taysom Hill at the helm, I agree. He's a sell. But if it's Jameis Winston at the helm, then I disagree. I think that Alvin Kamara will still get his. Where'd Michael Thomas go in the, the startup you're doing? Oh, it was late. Yeah, I mean, do you think do you think 508? Yeah, I mean, that sounds like straight like historical profiling, that sounds like straight stealing. Yeah, I got Mike Evans at 507 and Mike Thomas went right after him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um and Adam Troutman, what what's your thoughts on there uh, on Troutman coming into the lead role? We'll see. I I like Troutman, but I haven't seen enough of him. Honestly, I think in the NFL. Yeah, I think I, I think the fact that he barely made it into day t- day two, 
Yeah. And that he's not he's not a great he's not a great overt athlete. And he's come from the small school ranks. I'm a little more skeptical than optimistic, you know, that it's going to run through Thomas and Kamara and what else is left. Do they add maybe to the wide receiver core? But I mean, Jared Cook was up and down and he's a monster. So I just color me skeptical. I know Winston likes the tight ends historically and stuff like that. Um, all right. Another big name. We got Corey Davis to the Jets. So we still have like a bunch. That. We still have a bunch of wide receivers out there. Some of the bigger names. We're hearing hints of Galladay to the Giants. Maybe there's still a few. Actually, Galladay to Cincinnati is, is I a think rumor almost as well. a done deal. <laughs> See how how crazy with T Higgins, right? How about how about T Higgins dynasty wide receiver one during the season at one point. Uh, was some of the proclamations and now they sign one of the big, big uh, free agents. Um, and if, if that were to come to fruition, uh, but Corey Davis to the jets, um, one, one, one take I had that I'll, I'll pass it to you. I mean, all you can ask for if you like Corey Davis and you want him to see a full fledged opportunity, uh, you know, for a big volume, give me, give him a wide receiver, one potential role. And with the jets, you have that. We don't know who his quarterback will be. Yes, they have Jameson Crowder. We'll see about Denzel Mims, who I think is actually a pretty big loser in this scenario. Um, after he flashed in you know, about a three, four-week span, made a few plays. Um, but Corey Davis has a chance for 100-plus targets, and that's all you can ask for him to have this sort of Devontae Parker mid-career up, uptick, you know, which he started last year. So that's about all you can ask for, right? Yeah, no, I, I like it, and... As you said, we don't know who the quarterback is going to be, but he's clearly the wide receiver one in that offense. I don't, I don't think Jamison Crowder. I think he's he's not the wide receiver one. Denzel Mims is not. I think Corey Davis in that offense could do some pretty good things fantasy wise. Um, one player that a lot of people are high on is Gabriel Davis with John Brown gone. Now they signed Emmanuel Sanders. Right. They already got Stefan Diggs. We'll see if they add something. There's been some talk. Maybe they'll be adding at tight end. They really didn't have a huge presence with Dawson Knox, which who I think he's, he's flashed yet. I don't know if they view him as like some guy that's going to get 75, 80 plus targets and sort of be the answer, you know, for the next two, three years. We'll see about that. But number one, I would ask beyond Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley is there in a meaningful part of the offense is there enough room that there's real big time upside from that number two wide receiver? And should Dynasty really be assuming it's Gabriel Davis and don't even have a conversation when they brought in Emmanuel Sanders? There's a lot of signings where I think that the person that's coming in is just smoke. But this one, I think, could be more than smoke. I don't think that he's lost it. Emmanuel Sanders looked pretty good the last couple of years. And with Josh Allen, I think that could actually be a pretty good hookup. Yeah. I mean, one of my takes is Gabriel Davis had a promising for a day three wide receiver rookie season. But the key part of that sentence is day three. The right. key part of the previous thing I said, which is Stefan Diggs is going nowhere. So if you've got a day three guy that they just added, they just... John Brown leaves, and the first thing they do, bring in Emmanuel Sanders, bring in another savvy veteran. And so you're betting on a day three guy that outside of injury has zero chance to be the wide receiver one for his team. And yet I've seen out there that he's being valued like a mid-second mid round rookie pick. 
a perfect guy that you can move up in your rookie draft with, a perfect guy, you're going to get more pedigree. Even if you say, I have to, if you're limiting yourself and saying, I have to draft a wide receiver, you're going to get a day two wide receiver look there. Somebody, some profile that you like from day two. Not not guaranteeing. Maybe if it's super flex and two tight end, you get a look at a, a round one wide receiver. It's possible. You know, so I, I would just say be careful about how much you value that profile. I'm not saying you have to sell, you know, if, if the best you can get is like a third round rookie pick, I get it. I'd probably be holding too. But if you start getting into the top 15, 18 of your rookie draft, and that's possible, or you can go from the mid second to the late first or something with Gabriel Davis. Please explore that because, and and especially if people are like, oh, Emmanuel Sanders, that doesn't mean anything. He's done. Okay. That's a guy that's done a lot of things in the NFL and to come in at 34 years old, instead of being out on the street, probably means they have, they have a plan for him that he's not, he's not going to sit there and get 35 targets. So that's still going to hinder some things. And Stefan Diggs hinders a lot of things. So just be careful, be careful in projecting some top 25, 30 season out of Gabriel Davis. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Dynasty is you get in trouble when you start projecting guys into certain roles after one year, two years, whatever. If you bought them at a rookie value, they're found money if they do something better than what you expected them to. But to buy them at their what you what you project them to be. That's the danger. That's the danger in Dynasty because I don't care if it's Devontae Parker, Kevin White, Gabriel Davis, Terry McLaurin. I don't care who it is. When you project them to be a certain someone, if they haven't got a track record of doing that, that's the gray zone. You get them when the rookies, you buy them organically at their base price, and they escalate awesome. But those people that project them into year two, year three, and that's what you're expecting, that is the danger. And I would not do that with Gabriel Davis. I would not do that. The danger is when they're priced at sort of the assumption that they've already done it, right? Right, like, right. They're priced at their peak at what you expect them to be. Well, two two guys, what- two, two guys that come to mind when you're saying this, that again, one I like and one I don't like as much. Um, but two running backs I thought of were Cam Akers is white hot. And he's valued at a point where, I mean, it's like he did it, you know, to a lesser degree of Jonathan Taylor last year. He didn't do that. He had a couple of promising games down the stretch. And now obviously a lot of the the you know news and, and scuttlebutt for the Rams is he's our guy. He's our workhorse. We love him, you know, and, but the point is he hasn't done it yet. Could he absolutely do it? I love the profile, but he's, he's getting priced at a point now where it's already assumed. He, I mean, he's in the top 10 dynasty running backs for a guy that, <laughs> I mean, he's outside the top 40 or 50 last year on a seasonal basis. So that's a big leap. The other one was Miles Sanders. This guy gets a pass every year. He's priced ahead of what his best season in the NFL is. Right. That, so again, I watch him. I see it. I love Miles Sanders watching him. The point is, though, it hasn't happened yet. And he's at a, an age point where he better do it this year. 
sort of like Joe Mixon, right? These guys are getting passes where you're, you're, you, you said it perfectly when they're priced at a point of like, it kind of indicates that they're already doing it. Like it's October or November and they're stringing together strong games and they're a central point of their offense and everything's great. They're healthy and they're doing what everyone assumes that they're doing, but that's not where we are. And they haven't done it for multiple seasons. So be careful, be careful. You make sure, make sure you get a little discount, a little juice on the top, right? A little profit potential, like you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of times in rookie drafts, you're getting profit potential because you know they're, they're priced low enough, you know, and you're getting them at the very beginning of their um, their career arc, which is a big positive for just talking running backs, but right. uh, just in general, you're getting the whole thing potentially. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, love love how we're finishing here. Do you have any final thoughts? It could be free agent related, but but if you want to keep going on this about profiles no, I- about players. Yeah, no, the more that I've played Dynasty, the more that I understand that youth is great, but you want to get youth at the lowest price, not buy it just because they're young. And there's so many people that buy youth or give up on youth, like Jalen Rager and Jerry Judy are two of the bigger buys, in my opinion, because everybody's given up on them after one year. And Jerry Judy almost, like, he had 700 yards, which isn't bad for a COVID-shortened season, you know, as far as uh, preseason and all everything else that went along with it. It's just crazy. It's crazy to me that um, in, in a startup draft, I wouldn't, again, I don't like the word proven. What was, what, what did you use for track record of production? Yeah. With a track record of production, because nothing is guaranteed. So guys that have a track record of production, you've got to kind of walk that fine line between a balance between young upside guys that you think will be years in the making versus those that are just, one and done or not going to live up to their potential or their landing spot or whatever. I mean, cause everything right now, free agency is showing everything changes and everything changes very quickly. Yep. Uh, those are great points. Um, I do want to shout out uh, on the UTH site, the UTH trade calculator just added a new format, which is the, I would call it the stock uh, Superflex Safe Leagues format. It's long overdue. It's two PPR for tight ends. It's Superflex. Very common format out there. So that's been added. It is now the 26th format. Customized player values for your format to help you uh, in your leagues make better long-term dynasty trades. Also, there's three team directions. There's rebuilding, contending, and neutral. Uh, about 90% of the time, I like to use neutral, and that's what I recommend. But again, contending-based trades, or if you're super strong uh, as a team, you might go towards contending. You're rebuilding, got an orphan situation. Uh, you need to build things up for the long haul. Uh, you might want to shift it over and use that rebuilding uh, formula that, that shifts things age-wise uh, a little bit. Um, in your favor, extending your windows uh, for when you're more likely to contend. So you get a free trial membership uh, to the trade calculator with General Manager, General Manager Plus. Now you can get those premium shows on any of your podcasting devices. That's been a huge game changer. Um, That happened about six months ago and uh, haven't looked back since. It was really a a cathartic, you know, and stressful sort of thing that, uh, you know, I had to switch uh, uh, 
uh, hosting providers there first time since 2011. Uh, it was really just, you know, I had to make that switch uh, based on the changes they were making. And uh, it's turned out to be a big positive, uh, that changeover, and as well as what I can offer subscribers to be able to seamlessly listen to all of those premium shows that you get as a general manager subscriber. So plug there. Um, also, uh, Katie Flower, you've been on a few shows recently, and I'm sure you're on more coming up. Uh, where can they find you outside of UTH uh, with your uh, verbal stylings, as well as maybe some uh, mock drafts and, and things like that? So obviously on Twitter at FF underscore Skylar 399. I'm on the off the rails podcast with Jeremy Brown pretty much every other week, if not every week, we're trying to make that a regular thing. I have been a guest on so many podcasts, <laughs> Debbie debate and the rookie fever podcast and a lot of different, I mean, I, try to uh, do at least whatever one or two per week. So it's been a lot of fun. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll see me retweet where I've been on and uh, just thankful for all those opportunities to talk football. Yeah, excellent. Um, I, I try to catch those as well. Can't re recommend them enough. And and usually Twitter is the way you can catch those those links and just check you know timelines and and you'll see them retweeted around between the various uh, between the various handles. Uh, and coming up, like I said, you know we've got covered for NFL draft prospects. Uh, Katie and I have done a number of the bigger names. I think at least probably five to 10 of them, if not closer to 15, uh, that have been covered so far, still some more to go. Um, one of our guys that we've been tracking seemingly for four or five years now, uh, it hasn't been that long. I don't think Josh Immator Bebe tore up his pro day. Um, so he's just yet another wide receiver, uh, that, that creates a strong class to consider there that we were talking about. I remember as a freshman, uh, there with USC, he's had some, yeah. some twists and turns, but shout out there. I know it's been a little tougher for everyone to track down pro day information, uh, this year, but, uh, but, you know, I'm trying to do those updates, um, as I do premium shows. Uh, so you get those updates. You also get the metrics there on the site, uh, that you make sure you have the athleticism scores, production scores, and all the good stuff you need to understand some of the process, uh, behind the, the Franken, the, the Franken monster that is putting together UTH player values, uh, for the rookie big board and, uh, for overall dynasty valuations. Uh, so that's going to do it for us this week. We'll have a, a guest uh, scheduled next week and coming up talking free agency still, I would imagine, plus some other macro dynasty topics. She is Katie Flower. I'm at Chad Parsons. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.